Hello and welcome to B2B Better, a podcast for B2B professionals looking to be better than boring with their marketing. My name's Jason. I've spent the last 10 years building content, social, and communication plans to help B2B companies hit their brand and revenue goals. Every week, I break down the strategies and tactics that you should be thinking about in a fun-sized, actionable chunks, usually with an expert from the field. This is real advice for B2B professionals who want to be better. Let's go. So today on B2B Better, I am very pleased to be joined by Masuma Memon, freelance writer uh, for B2B SaaS companies. How are you doing, Masuma? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you for joining me today. Um, we've been talking for a long time on Twitter. I think uh, you were one of the first people that I really spoke to when I got back onto Twitter, which was about 12 months ago. And uh, we've gone all that time, and this is the first time we're actually speaking uh, to each other face-to-face. So uh, I'm really pleased and and happy that we got the chance to sit down. And I'm sure it's going to be a fantastic episode um, where you're going to be sharing some some of your hard-won wisdom on on blog copywriting. So tell me a little bit about your background. What do you do today? What kind of clients do you work with? Uh, What's your story? All right, so uh, I'm, a, like you mentioned, a B2B writer for SaaS, and uh, I've been working with names like Trello, Databox, ConvertFlow. And um, I getting into writing as a, as a full-time writer was basically um, an unplanned thing. It just happened. I, I was always into writing as a child. I loved learning creative writing and improving my description, but I did not know that it could be a sustainable career in the future. But a friend of mine, as soon as I finished my master's in English literature, told me that it is possible. So she introduced me to a friend of hers who needed some writing work done. And it's from there that it all started to go on. And I researched and read. And um, I am with you right now. We were talking a little bit about, um, just before we we, we jumped onto the call we were recording, um, the difference between... uh, writing and copywriting you know it is a multi-faceted field particularly in the marketing world and your specialism is working on uh blog content specifically research-backed engaging blog posts um so i want to before we jump into you know what makes a good blog post uh i want to hear from you your thoughts on whether you think that creating and maintaining a blog is right for every type of b2b company um having been on the uh, the, the the brand side, they can take a lot of work, you know, to create compelling content consistently. So, um, what's your opinion on that? Is is having a blog right for every type of B two B company? Well, I think it depends on uh, your audience. The more you know your audience before you get started, the better. Because if your audience are readers who prefer consuming content uh, by reading. You, it's necessary that you have a blog because every uh, B2B company has to educate. It's not like people are going to buy on impulse. They're going to be decisions that they are going to make their decisions by putting their trust in you, understanding the entire process. So in this uh, process, you need to be uh, earning their trust and educating them. Both of these goals uh, you can achieve by a blog. But before you put the work in a blog, you need to understand if your if your target audience are readers. If so, you can maintain a blog, start a blog. Otherwise, you have to be creating content, except that it might be in some other format, say a podcast if they are audio lovers. And I suppose when you're kind of working with, when you're going into a new client, um, they have already made that decision. They've already done that research to determine that their audience are readers and are uh, educating themselves by consuming blogs. 
do they ever share with you or do you have any idea or tips that you could share with the listeners of B2B Better on how do you find that out? How do you get to the answer of that question of, you know, yes, my customer is reading content and thus I need a blog? All right. Okay. Most of my clients are at the part where they have already kickstarted their uh, blog in full, their blog is in full action. Okay. And they understand the full potential of what they can get from a blog. So um, I don't have to be convincing them on uh, investing in blogging. That's one. But if, when it comes to uh, people trying to understand how they can uh, know if their audience is interested in reading blogs is um, once you have an idea of who your ideal buyer is, talk to them. Say if your ideal buyer, a buyer is someone within your family circle or someone in your friends or if you have a good network, someone over there, talk to them. Ask them how do they educate themselves when they buy such and such a software or such a product when in their business. So by talking to these people, you can tell how they are consuming content before they make their decision. You will understand if they are reading or not and then reach this conclusion of whether you need a blog or not. One and two, you need to check your competitors. What are they doing? Is there, um, are they blogging? Uh, what kind, what, in what ways are they getting to their readers? And in what ways are they educating them and earning their trust? So these two things, competitor research and talking to your audience is going to help you reach the conclusion. I have worked in some companies where the idea of uh, having a blog is appealing just because of its of that nature, right? Because it you know it seems like everyone should have a blog. We should be pumping out content all the time, um, and the success of the blog is determined by the fact that we're just publishing content. To me, that's never sat quite right because anyone can go out there and just publish a lot of content. Um, I think it's important that you set out with a clear goal and objective um, as to what you want that blog to, to deliver to you. In your experience, what are those kind of main goals um, of the brands that you've worked with in building out a blog? What are they trying to get out of it? Right. Um, most of my clients are dedicated to, like I said, educating their uh, readers, one, and secondly, connecting with them. In doing so, they are trying to solve their problems, number one, whatever the pain points are related to their product, number one. And number two, they are trying to um, educate them on how possibly their product can help solve their problem. So there are two types of blog posts over here. One top of the funnel that solves their problem and their non-salesy content. And two, the others are CTA-packed ones where they tell a reader how they can use their software and um, hence encouraging them at the end too sign up or for a free trial free trial or something like that that's one so that's their goal to uh, goal with uh, blogging and once they have this goal set up they can uh, branch out and have other benefits uh, but as in having using the blog as a lead generation uh, tool getting more and more customers like i said by uh, earning you know gaining the trust and uh, um, educating them and they can you know rank high on the search engine and then um, get word of mouth because it's not necessary that every reader of yours is going to turn into a customer. But if they like the content and it's helpful for them, providing them free value, they will give you a shout out uh, in their network, on social media. So this word of mouth will possibly lead you to other people who can turn into customers. So lead generation, uh, better ranking in the search engine and uh, word of mouth, etc. I think you said something really interesting there about kind of free value. Because I, I'm from the enterprise B2B world, 
um, in the sense of, you know, the companies I've worked with and for um, are not selling, you know, a, a monthly subscription to a SaaS product for $99. We're selling, you know, multi-million dollar kind of contracts for that are locking us in, you know, with the client for up to half a decade, potentially. And, um, you know, that's a, that's a very different environment um, to, to SaaS in the sense that when you're building out a blog, you have to take a long-term view of it, right? You're not going to write a blog post and it uh, translate into sales uh, as a direct result. It plays an important part, but it's not going to move the needle in of itself. And I think that's what you said about free value, you know, whilst delivering writing blog content consistently in isolation is should not be a goal you do need to deliver consistent free value because building out a blog is a great way to um, build that authority build that trust build that awareness so that when the customer is ready to buy they can then be, be entered into that funnel uh, or go further down the funnel um, and the blog can help nurture them to the point where um, they actually you know put in their credit card details or sign a contract in a world where there's more content than ever, what does it take for a B2B blog to get noticed by the right people? Majorly, it's writing content that resonates with your audience. Now, there are a few aspects to this. Number one is when content that resonates is content that provides them value in a sense that it solves their problem. Now, if it's a productivity tool that we're talking about, they have to solve my day-to-day -day problem. Like, for instance, if I cannot uh, understand how to maintain or keep or make my to-do list or it's overflowing so if they're giving me value in terms of how to maintain my um, to-do list that's content that's resonating with me right so that's one way of creating content that resonates with your audience and provides them value so this is one way you're standing out don't just uh, create anything that you feel or find that it's going to help the reader you have to learn about the reader, like uh, we discussed at the start, to create content that's going to be valuable for them. One, that's one way of standing out. And two, is having a strong uh, brand voice. I feel that this is really important for standing out. Because if you're just writing in a manner that's uh, you know, very uh, business-ish or professional suited booted style, or it's just like on any other blog or any other piece, um, you know, people can read it anywhere. They're not going to remember you because not it's not necessary that if someone's read your blog, they're going to come back, return to you. Now, you're, if there's a reader, you're starting to bring them in your funnel. They're interested. You have to keep them on your blog and you have to stand out. The best way you can do this is by having a voice that is unique so that they remember you and then they come back to you. So that's very important, I think, having a brand voice when you want to stand out. So that's see if you, uh, and when you're creating a brand voice, of course, you need to use the language of your readers. Like if you are targeting a market in the U.S., you'd be using a different language as compared to targeting a market in the U.K. There would be different uh, language. The terms would be different. So that's another way of resonating with your audience using their language within your brand voice. Two ways to resonate with them. And third way you can stand out is to make your content readable. That is easy to read because lots of people are writing good content, but their content is not readable. So, you know, you uh, as a reader, you just cannot stay on the screen for long. So you need to make that stuff readable. My next question to you is going to be what makes a, 
a blog go from good to great. And uh, I think you covered on a lot of the points there that I, I probably would have said. In particular, I want to dig a little bit into brand voice, um, which uh, I agree is incredibly important, particularly when there is just so much content out there in the world to consume. Being distinct in terms of your tone and how you present yourself to the world um, can be the difference, right, uh, between a customer deciding to spend their valuable time during work hours on your blog or doing something else. Um, what is it? What is it? What is a good brand voice or a great brand voice? Is it simply um, good grammar and spelling, uh, or is it something more than that? No, it's. Um... I think good grammar is a part of it, but it's not uh, the uh, it's not set in stone that you have to have uh, excellent grammar to be a good writer. What you need uh, for a strong brand voice is having a tone of writing. Is is in as in are you going to be conversational? Are you going to be funny? Are you going to add a touch of um, seriousness in your content? What is it that's going to make you different? Now, if you look at an example, if you look at Trello's blog voice, they have a very um, unique voice. They're going to use simple language, but they're going to write it backed by examples and uh, in a manner that it's very conversational. So you're talking to a friend when you're reading it, sort of like that. You get that kind of a vibe when you're reading their content, rather than feeling that you are talking to a business. So I think a very important point of having a brand voice is first defining the characteristics of your writing. Is this going to be funny or is it going to be um, simple, clear? That's it. Even if you're simple and clear, you're winning at writing content because that's very important. If you're not being clear, the reader won't stay on the page. So, uh, you know, describe your uh, characteristics, what you, how do you want to sound, and then always make sure that you are writing conversationally, that, you know, it's more like a conversation with a friend. I wouldn't say talk like you write because that's, um, uh, write like you talk, I'm sorry, because um, that's kind of misleading because when we are talking, we might be rambling, you know, sometimes we're venting, etc. We don't want to do that. The reader doesn't have time for that. But you want to make it conversational. But even if you're writing, um, that's and that's how you do it, uh, my friend, that's also good. So that is what is my point of view about brand voice. And you also mentioned that what the initial question was, what makes a good brand? We've already uh, discussed a brand voice, number one. And number two, I mentioned readability. There's a third point that is very important is having examples in your content. That helps the other person understand what you're getting at. Examples of, of, of what specifically? Like if, uh, like I mentioned, if it's a productivity uh, software and they're helping me out create my to-do list, give me examples of how other people are maybe making their to-do list. Could be anybody prominent, or could be just your team may, may sharing their uh, sharing screenshots of how they make their to-do list, etc. Do they time it? Do they don't time? Do you do they set time blocks, or is it just a random list, or is it an ordered list, prioritized list, etc. When you show people examples, give them screenshots, it's more valuable and actionable to them rather than you know just saying what you want, what you have to do. Explain them how to reach that point. They're going to be thankful to you for that, and of course, remember you. I think that's particularly important in the B2B world, right? Because if we're in B2C and we're talking about a pair of jeans, you can't really go wrong, right? <laughs> in terms of a, in terms of your blog copy, uh, you, you put them on and you do the button up and you make sure you do the zip. Um, there's not much else to it. In the B2B world where, you know, you could be talking about, you know, fairly complex workflows or processes or features of your product, 
giving that proof that clear-cut examples is is just so important like you say um it seems to me that this is all stuff the the brand voice and the kind of the the rules around readability they need to be figured out or it's best to figure those things out before you even really put pen to paper and you start writing blog posts would you say yes of course yes because I've I've been in a situation where, you know, I've worked for companies where I'm the only one who's writing copy and all of the stuff's in my mind. I know what our brand voice is. I know how I want to structure blog posts. I've got all these kind of, you know, rules in my mind in terms of how I want to present the brand to the world. As soon as you then add another writer to the mix, how do you get them to perform the same the same quality of work? Um, so what, what's your experience there? How, how, have, how can brands, you know, tidy, tie all this kind of brand voice and readability kind of rules, um, rules up so they can kind of scale it as the company grows? It's very important for this. It's very important that you start documenting from the start, whatever is in your head, whatever your process looks like, start documenting it. It doesn't have to be very elaborate, but if you're just maintaining a list of pointers, a checklist of sorts, like I have to add examples in a piece. I have to make sure that the, the paragraph length is no more than three sentences at a time. Bullet points are not running longer than one line. So, you know, just write it down in a checklist. And as you start scaling, um, instead of handing over the checklist because um, you have to make sure that the brand voice that every writer follows is unique, you need to flash it up a bit, the, flash up the checklist with, um, again, examples. Like I know I have a client, what they do is they document process with screenshots. Like if they're saying that this is a good example of an anchor text, they will show you how they've done it in a screenshot so that you, know you are on the same page and you're, right, you're, you're creating the right stuff. That's one. And two is if it's something that's way more detailed than something that a document or a checklist can cover, then create Loom videos. Show people how to do it on the on your screen so they can replicate it easy. That's going to save you a lot of time and it's very easy to scale uh, your business in that way. When you can't, when it comes to creating a brand voice document, um, uh, in the past I've created tone of voice documents is what, what I've called them, but I think it's kind of the same thing. Um, do you think it's something that only the marketing team should have a responsibility in creating or is it something that should be created in collaboration with other people within the business? I think it's very important that you create it in collaboration with other departments like the customer support and service teams, the sales team. The reason I say this is because they are in constant conversation with your customers, with your prospects. So they know what kind of problems they're encountering, what kind of language they're using, and uh, what are the words that are clear to them? And they usually salespeople are on call, so they're using, they're trying to use plain English and explaining them how a feature works. So what words resonate with them? What explains them the way to use your software or your product, your business, etc.? That is going to help them. So I think it's important you collaborate with them on the kind of language that resonates with your audience, the kind of language your audience is using, and the way you can simply explain your features, minus the jargon. I want to get your opinion on, so I've, 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 I've done some brand voice exercises in the past um, with agencies, and, 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 and sometimes we've done these activities, which is like, if your brand was a cocktail, what would that brand be? You know, Or if your brand was at a party how would they behave that kind of thing as a way just to kind of get people thinking creatively you know 
about how do we want to sound to 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 the industry and to the market what are your thoughts on that kind of stuff um is that something that you would recommend to to people who are trying to figure out their brand their brand voice i think it's a good way to explain things but i think it depends a lot on the ty- type of people you have on your team do they prefer uh you know creative ways like creative exercises like these to get an idea of the brand voice that you are gonna follow or do they just simply want some notes on what it is going to be and they're happy to replicate it so sometimes you know even if we are creating by a persona it's um um you know let's say marketing michael now it's not important that you it's it is a good way to summarize things and make them uh, easy to remember and refer to within the team but even if you just tell me that my reader is going to be a marketer, middle-aged, etc., etc., and pointers, that's also fine. So I think it depends on the type of people you have on your team and what they're comfortable in, the way learning the voice, the way they're learning the brand voice. I suppose the main thing is that you do something, right? And you don't you do this work up front. The earlier you do it, the better, because if you just start writing and you get a year into making a blog or writing for a blog. And then, you know, the company gets bigger and you get more writers in who are creating content for you. And then you've got to kind of teach everyone again or you've got to backtrack and change it all. The main thing is that you do this at the start, right? Yes, it's very important. It's also important for before you expand the team because I feel that it's not essential that whatever pointers you have in your head, you're able to follow them through in each piece that you write. Why I say this? Because it's very easy to get influenced by other content that you are um, reading. So as a freelance writer, I am reading lots of brand voices and I'm creating lots of brand voices, uh, you know, for different, different clients, right? So I need to have this, all the stuff up front. And I understand that someone uh, who is like, uh, who is writing and is also an avid reader, they have to be, of course, if they want to be creating quality content, I feel. So um, they might easily get, uh, you know, they might some, like some other tone of voice uh, on the brand and they say, okay, I'm going to try this stuff in, my, in, the blog, in, the, in the blog post now. You can't do that. You have to maintain a uniform voice to be clear and remem- uh, memorable to your reader. So all the, work in up, uh, all the work should be done up front, like you mentioned. So we've spoken a lot about um, the reasons why you want a blog, um, what a blog can deliver, and what you need to set up a blog. Let's talk a little bit about uh, blog posts specifically as someone who works with a wide range of different customers how did you come up with ideas for blog posts when you first start writing for them okay so most of my clients have uh, um, already have their editorial calendar set up right they have they have they know what they want to target the ideas they want to cover that's one but there are also clients who are open to getting pitches or ideas from writers they work with so for cl- clients like that, I usually have, uh, what I do is I keep a pulse on their industry. So wh- how I do that is I re- listen to what people are talking about on QA- Q&A forums like uh, Quora. Then I listen to what they're talking about in on social media. For instance, um, what's the hot topic they're discussing on in Twitter chats, etc. Number two. And then there's... Um, the third point about uh, ideas is um, doing a research on what your what other brands in the similar line are doing, and if there's something different that we can do. So that's how I share ideas with my clients. There's also fourth thing that I do is I read a lot of books, and if because I work with specific industries usually, so when I'm reading books, there are lots of ideas that are coming up. Now, if you are say a, a blog manager of your at your company. 
if you read books, you will get lots of great ideas on what different type of content you can cover. You have those ideas, prepare a list, and then see if it resonates with your audience, solves the problem, and you have a very nice mix of unique content that resonates with your audience. And when you say books, what, what kind of books are you talking about? Are you talking about fiction books, nonfiction books, business books, or what, what, what kind? B business books. Business books. Like, for instance, we've been referencing to a, uh, you know, imaginary to-do list, uh, sorry, imaginary uh, to-do list uh, app, right? So um, you could be reading books on productivity. And when you read books on productivity, like James Clear's, uh, James Clear's uh, Atomic Habits, you can get lots of ideas on how to boost your productivity. You know, you can use them as uh, fodder for your blog content and uh, you know, impress your audience. That's excellent advice. Once you've got a general idea of what it is that you want to write, so, you know, you've got this idea that you want to, um, you know, take a productivity tip, productivity tip from Atomic Habits and you want to apply that concept to this uh, to-do list tool, how, how do you, what's your process in terms of actually starting to write? Like, what does that research process look like once it is you've got a general idea of what it is you want to, you want to create? The first step is usually about brainstorming and getting my thoughts on paper. So I have a rough outline of what I want to write. Then I'm going to take to the internet and research what other people have already covered on it or haven't already covered on it or what research is, uh, you know, backing the points that I want to make. But this research has got, has got to be time blocked because otherwise you could just go down the black hole of research and never come back. It's going to take a lot of time. So it's going to be... Um, I'm usually going to point, uh, write down pointers of what I want to research, give them specific time blocks. So research uh, during those time blocks, and then I work on fleshing out that outline. So I have a very detailed outline when before I'm writing. It's not a simple sketch of uh, subheader A, B, C. No, it's not that. It's very detailed. Each header, it's going to discuss what, and then in the intro area, I have if I have some ideas, I'm going to be like introduce it as as in this way or that way. Once this detailed um, blog uh, outline is ready, I'm going to get into drafting. But right now, my research, even at this point, my research is not complete. What I'm going to do is write, but without researching in between or, you know, getting myself distracted. Write, and then wherever there is research needed, suppose I need a stat on how many people maintain to-do lists, right? I'm going to just add a placeholder over there, stat needed, and then continue on with my writing. Once the draft is ready, research some more, get what's lacking, and then your draft should be good to go. At least a rough draft. And then it's subject to a review with the client um, or the editor. And then, I mean, how long do you think that whole process takes from, you know, once you've got the general idea, doing the research, sketching out the initial kind of uh, skeleton of the blog, and then actually creating a first draft? Generally speaking, you know, how long does that typically take? Right. What what happens is when we have agreed on an idea with a client, um, I usually share the detailed outline with them for an early round of feedback, so they know what the direction the blog is going uh, the blog is going to take. Now, outlining can take um, seven to nine days. Uh, it's a usually agreed upon idea, and then drafting can take another ten days. So altogether, a fortnight or sometimes more depending on the complexity of the topic and what the client is exactly looking for. I think that, so you, you mentioned you mentioned a moment ago about the research phase and, and blocking it out um, and to make sure that there is a kind of clear end point. Otherwise, you just kind of continue on in that research journey forevermore. 
And um, I've certainly been guilty of doing the opposite, which is not actually blocking in the time to do the research up front. Because I think sometimes if you're an in-house marketer or an in-house content creator, because you kind of live and breathe that industry all day, every day, you think, oh, you know, whatever, I just, I, I know this stuff. Like I can just kind of just write it. Um, so you don't do that initial research and the content is all the poorer because of it. Because either you are writing something that's already been said a million times before or you're, um, you know, withholding really interesting and rich research that's out there that you're not aware of that could, you know, pull the piece up um, even even further than, uh, than, 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 than what you end up with. So, yeah, I think that initial research phase is, is super important, like you say. Yeah, it's really important because um, otherwise you could be just, you know, wasting hours and not coming up with the kind of content that you want or have in your head. Creating, so we said this already, creating high quality content for blog consistently, for a blog consistently can be quite labor and time intensive. Um, and a lot of the listeners of B2B Better, um, to my knowledge, are kind of one person marketing teams or working in very, very small marketing teams and perhaps don't have the uh, support of an external agency. What would be your tips for those kind of people who haven't got someone like you as a resource to maintain the quality and consistently when it comes to writing blog posts? It's important that you maintain an editorial calendar. Have an idea of when you're going to publish what. Do the idea brainstorming, the strategy part before you get into, uh, into drafting, research, etc. So um, it's best that you um, have a, an editorial calendar and then you stick with it. That's for consistency, for high creating quality content, work with checklists so that you know you know that before you ship something is it checking off all the points on your checklist as in add examples like we discussed is it readable etc when you do this you're, you're not forgetting anything as you're creating content the importance of an editorial calendar cannot be understated um just for my own personal uh kind of content creation so this podcast being one thing i also do the weekly newsletter um when i first started doing it all I kind of thought, oh, I don't need a content calendar. It's just me. Like I can, I can keep track of it all. And um, I turns out I couldn't. <laughs> I was going, you know, I, I was missing. I was writing a lot of great content for my newsletter, and then forgetting to promote the thing, um, just because I didn't have a calendar uh, in place. Um, and this can be, the calendar can be anything, right? It can be a spreadsheet. There are loads of specific tools that you could use. You mentioned, you know, Trello, one of your clients. I've used Trello before to manage my content, um, my content calendars. You know, do you have any kind of tips on how to create a great editorial calendar and, and, and where to create it? Yeah, I think Trello is a good place to start. Um, but I think the, the early stage, early on, it's better to start with paper or a plain document so that you can get all the ideas in your head on the paper and then you can get to because a big aspect of creating a calendar is keeping things organized before you get into organization it's important that you have a clear idea of what you want to do or what you want to uh, work on for the blog so take out a sheet of paper if you're if you prefer paper that, that's fine or open a doc and then you know, spit out all the ideas that you have, the sort of content, the categories that you're going to create content under, one, and then the kind of publishing schedule that you use. Three, are you going to be making it SEO optimized content? So what sort of keywords are going to be there? And four, a corner where you can just 
share all the ideas from your reading, from all the social listening that you're doing, from all the talking that you're doing with your reader, all of them go over there. Once you have all of this rough document, you can start creating a calendar of, of sorts in a sense that it's uh, organized like we discussed. Now, Notion can help you and Trello can help you. Both of them have uh, templates that can get you started. So now you can have, uh, I think the best way to have such a calendar is to have a to-do, uh, like a, a corner where you are like ideas and then you have a corner, there you have a column where you are talking about uh, in writing or in research and then there is this writing process and then editing and then quality checking and then published. So when you have all of this, you have a clear pipeline of what's going on, how much you're covering on the blog, but a very important aspect of maintaining a calendar and to make sure that you're consistent is to stick with your publishing frequency. Say if you wanna publish one blog post a week or one blog post in two weeks, make sure you're hitting those target. Set the dates in your calendar and stick with them. And another, another a good way to stick with the date is to do all the idea brainstorming, the topic selection, the keyword research beforehand. So that you can focus on blog content creation later on. That consistency piece is really important. Again, just for my own personal uh, stuff, like the newsletter, for example, it has been a personal goal of mine this year to get a newsletter out every single week. Um, and at first, it was really, really hard. Um, I was spending hours and hours and hours writing um, pretty much like an entire Saturday, writing just one 700-word newsletter. Um, and once you get into that kind of consistent pattern of writing, it just becomes so much easier. You'll, you'll find that you'll do it for a month or so. And then suddenly the ideas are just coming to you quicker because your mind's a muscle, you know, just like exercising your, you know, doing, doing weights, you, you can lift heavier weights. The more, the more you lift same with, same with your mind. And when it comes to writing, the more you write, the easier it, it is to write, would you say? Yeah, I agree with that because when you know what to write, you get in a habit of habit of, of listening to a podcast. If you're on a Twitter conversation, Twitter chat, you can easily see a part that you want to cover. Like, oh, this is a great idea. You just note it down. Or, of course, we can't remember everything, so just write it down in a notepad or in your calendar uh, column where you share all put all the ideas. So. Uh, once you start seeking out ideas, you have all these ideas ready. I kind of like think of it as an idea jar. So you're gathering all the ideas because you know what you're writing about and then, um, you know, you are faster at it. So look, uh, I'm conscious of time and, and, and uh, we've got a couple of questions that came in from Twitter when I announced that um, I was interviewing you. Uh, a, a couple of people reached out and wanted to make sure that I picked your brains on a few things. So uh, let me start with this one. How can you ensure that copy stays high quality across the stakeholder review process and i think what this is referring to is you know as a as a creative and a creator we can write an amazing piece of copy um when it gets into the hand hands of salespeople perhaps or an executive team who uh all you know give their opinion and their feedback it can it can morph into something that perhaps it wasn't intended to be so how can you ensure that high quality is consistent across the stakeholder review process I think it's very important because, uh, like you said, that there are different teams who are giving feedback. We have different clients giving feedback. So what I do is, and what I suggest other people do, is that you discuss what quality is for them before you start working on a blog. 
piece because um, it's important that you know their definition of quality and see if it matches your definition and then reach a middle ground. It will save you time in edits as well. So if, for instance, whenever I am on a client call, I always ask them two questions. One is, what are your ideal blog? What are your ideal blogs like? Which blogs do you read? Which do you find are impressive? And what kind of quality do you like in them? And second is, what kind of freelance writers do you like to work with? What do you think is an ideal freelance writer? So, knowing the answer to this tells you the mindset of the other person and helps you reach, uh, create content in a manner that is helpful to the other person. Um, that requires minimal edits and. Great response. The second question that came in from Twitter is, what's the best way to practice writing, mainly for, for blog posts specifically? Yeah, I think there's a very nice uh, technique known, known as free writing. It's like you don't think anything, don't think that the other person is reading it or anybody's judging your content, just spit out what's in your brain without distractions, without grammatical correct, uh, correct, correcting your grammar or pausing to check the research or stat. Just write it down. Once you start get into the habit of doing this, you'll be able to you know, create content more consistently. That takes me back to my um, university days because I, I studied theater for, for, at uni, right? Um, and we used to do free writing for um, when we were developing scripts for plays. Um, they, I remember our lecturers would get us to sit down on the floor um, with a piece of paper and just for like, you know, 10 minutes, I think that was the max that we were able to kind of, you know, mentally handle um, just for 10 minutes, just write whatever crazy stuff came into our mind and um, use that as a, as a kickoff point for improvisations, right? So, you know, you could write a story about how a salmon was driving a bus that picked you up um, and uh, then, you know, you have to then go out and act it. So it's funny how there's a bit of a crossover there between, you know, uh, your, your advice for, for B2B um, blog post creation and um, the theatrical world as well. Yeah, I, it's, it's free writing helps you with everything. What, basically what I use it for is writing introductions because every time you're writing introductions, you're nervous that it's not catching the other person. So just write it. To see without judgment that people are going to read it or not. It's eventually you will read reach and reach an introduction that is good enough. Fantastic. And finally, what tips do you have for B two B brands to instantly improve their copy? If there was one piece of advice that you could give to someone listening to the podcast who knows that and decided that they want to turbocharge their their, their copywriting, what would it be? Um, I would say you work on your readability. Because even if you're creating quality content, it's not easy to read. People will not read it. Now, working on your readability is not about writing shorter lines or shorter paragraphs or inserting bullet points only. It's about making sure that the blog is designed in a sense that it keeps the reader on the page. So work uh, on the readability. Excellent advice. Masuma, this has been an absolute masterclass in B2B blog uh, writing. Thank you so much for coming on again today. For anyone who wants to follow you on social media um, or possibly uh, uh, reach out to you to help them with their, their blog uh, post writing, where can they find you? Um, I'm always available and active on Twitter at Ink and Copy is uh, the handle. They can catch me there. I'm also getting slowly getting active on LinkedIn. And then my website, www.inkandcopy.com, where you can just reach out to me via email and uh, we can possibly work together or just collaborate. 
Great. I'll drop the links to your social media handles and your website in the description of this episode. Masuma, thank you very much for coming on to B2B Better. Thank you. It was an absolute pleasure. And that's it for this episode of B2B Better. If you found it useful, go ahead and leave a rating, a review, or just shoot me a DM on Twitter telling me so. It will make my day. You can find me at Jason R. Bradwell. Also, why not check out my weekly newsletter, The B2B Byte, where I break down marketing strategies and tactics for B2B leaders into fun size, actionable chunks. You can find the link in the description of this episode. If you've got any questions or there is a burning topic that you'd like to hear me talk about on B2B Better, or you'd like to appear on an episode, you can connect with me on Twitter or find me on LinkedIn. See you next time.